Welcome to the Court of Nerds, the only podcast that records about as frequently as Congress gets things done. Uh, I'm Greg, and I'm joined by a cadre of individuals that are going to be drinking certain beverages. Uh, let's start with Madge. What are you drinking or imbibing tonight? Oh, you know, well, I just have a uh, little detox tea with a little, you know, fennel, anise, seed, cardamom to, uh, you know, kind of clean things out a little bit. And turmeric, as usual, uh, to kick the inflammation. Shockingly, and antithetical to both of those things, I have sitting next to me open, and you're never going to believe this, kids, a bottle of Coke. I wow, know. That's... I know. This is like the one time this year. I know. This is like the one time this year I'm going to drink it. But are you going to at least snort it during the cast? Hell of a drug. Grant, what are you drinking tonight? Uh, I am drinking, I feel really insignificant now. I had a head cold, so now I just have like generic chamomile tea made with a tea bag. <laughs> I didn't pick anything. I didn't, I didn't forage anything. This I, came from a cupboard I and I, I added hot water. I didn't forage these either, Grant, baby. I, I'm tea bagging it too. We're both tea bagging it. Yo, who wants to get teabagged? <laughs> well, we're starting this off on the right foot, I see. Uh, Kevin, please don't disappoint me. Uh, I, I don't know. I might, you might be disappointed. I am drinking a beer. Uh, it's from Harpoon Brewery, but it's also from this little company called Dunkin' Donuts. <laughs> it's Harpoon's Dunkin' Summer Coffee Pale Ale. Fascinating. What? That's amazing. Oh my gods. That is so, so cool. When you drink it, do you go running? Uh, well, you know, it's about close to 10 o'clock at night here. So, yeah, it's a great idea that I'm drinking this, especially since my dog woke me up at 4 a.m. Uh, so, yeah, um, I'm going to take it for a spin. First time I've had it. That's a coffee beer. Kevin, I admire your heroic spirit. And bare face. Mmm. 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 <laughs> so delicious. On that note, I'm drinking a, uh, a drink from Ye Olde, San Jose, California. It is Hermitage Brewing Company's uh, Imperial Stout. It's called Two Ton, and it is, quote, a weighty brew. Oh, I see what you did there. Ooh. Oh, that's actually really nice. It actually kind of tastes a little bit like... Um, Coronavirus? Yes, we have a lot of that here in the Bay Area as well. Mm, zombie. Mm, <laughs> yes, yes. So, Kevin, you went and saw Birds of Prey today. I did. I, uh, I'll i give a brief rundown of it. Uh, it was Birds of Prey, of course, is the uh, comic uh, hero group from DC Comics that uh, is made up of, well, honestly, up to this date, anybody who they want to like throw in there. Typically, you want it to be women. But, you know, like, Gail Simone threw Hawk in there and stuff as well, and she really played on the bird aspect of it back during my favorite run uh, when Gail Simone was at the helm. Uh, but it was directed by Kathy Yan. Uh, it was written by Christina Hodson, and it stars uh, Mario Robbie as Harley Quinn, reprising her role from The Suicide Squad. Uh, Rosie Perez as Renee Montoya. Stoked about that. Um, so love her. Yeah. Uh, Mary Elizabeth uh, Winstead. Uh, as Helena uh, Helena Bertinelli, the Huntress. Uh, you may remember her uh, from Scott Pilgrim uh, versus the World. I remember her high. from Sky High. Yes. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> and also my favorite uh, my favorite Quentin Tarantino movie of all time, Death Proof. So yeah. Wow. Deep cuts, Greg. That's a strange hill to die on. 
man. That's what I'm here for. Uh, <coughs> uh, Journey Smollett Bell as uh, Dinah Lance, uh, Black Canary. Uh, and Ewan McGregor as Black Mask. For me, he really, he really sold the movie for me. Uh, you also had uh, Ella J. Basco as Cassandra Kane, Chris uh, Messina as Victor Zaz, and somebody that I don't know why she was in the movie, but Ali Wong as Ellen Yi, who was the assistant to the district. No shit, I love Ali Wong. Yeah, hmm. who uh, who was apparently the ex-lover of Renee Montoya, Ooh. and they had some yeah backstory there. Uh, but Ali Wong, pretty much, she delivered, like, two lines and was, like, stone-faced the majority of the time. Oh, that's a huge bummer. Uh, yeah, like, you, you could have had a great comedy bit with her, but nope, they played it seriously. Release the Yan uh, cut! Yeah, yeah! That's right, I'm we, sure the director's cut is going to be winning Oscars. I was going to say, it sounds like the Suicide Squad director's cut was totally different. Could we be looking at, like, a similar, like, director's cut extended release situation here? I'm hoping... I'm hoping because that I I'd really like it if this movie made a bit more sense uh, because the first half of this movie is entirely told through flashbacks and uh, flashbacks narrated by Harley Quinn, mind you, uh, and it kind of plays into the fact that she's crazy. She she's not stupid. She reminds the audience that several times that she has a PhD, uh, but she the, the flashbacks serve as she gets ahead of herself in the story and she has to cut back to explain something else, which usually involves other characters in some way, which she wouldn't have previous knowledge of. This sounds like an episode of Arrow. It's... It, it doesn't really work again because Harley Quinn is doing the, dictating these flashbacks, and they're things that she wouldn't know about. Mm. But about halfway through the movie, you catch up, all right? And then... Everybody's everything's kind of in real time, except when there are more flashbacks, just not narrated by Harley Quinn. Instead, you get a voiceover of times of Harley Quinn commenting about the situation that's playing out on the screen or her thought processes. Uh, it's part of me is like I'm going in. Am I buying this? Am I going into it? Is it is this interesting storytelling, or did they just shoot? A bunch of random scenes and needed to find a way to piece it all together and I think that's a little I think I'm leaning more toward the latter uh, some things about the uh, I'm, since I'm trending negative right now other things I didn't like uh, there's no consistent feeling about Gotham City like the Gotham that you get in there is at one time uh, like something from the Burton era uh, you know, it's it like could be very uh, dark and gloomy. And then other times it feels like it's in Koreatown in L.A. because that's where they did the filming. <laughs> and so, uh, yeah, it, uh, there's a bunch of little bodegas and all that kind of. It just doesn't feel a consistent Gotham City. Uh, some of the other things like uh, the casting, I really thought was interesting. And I wanted to see kind of how it went, because in my mind, I have different ideas of what these characters are being an avid comic reader. Uh, but I must say, they really pulled me into it. I liked Mary uh, Elizabeth Winstead as the Huntress. Uh, she, I think she played a great role. 
journey small at belt she was going to be the hardest sell for me uh but w she can sing that was great uh and the some of the other characters uh the like Ella jo J Basco's Cassandra Kane um little bit the little retconning they 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 did there um but they I mean you could she was still an orphan you know and so uh, there was that. Uh, the fight scenes. Fight scenes were, by and large, pretty amazing. Uh, think of, like, Deadpool levels of violence and just, like, kick-assery. Is that where we get our R-rated from? Is from violence? Oh, and language. Oh, there's a lot of mother... There's a lot of motherfuckers and uh, stuff getting tossed around. But yeah, it's there. there's gore uh, as well. Uh, there is a scene where Victor Zaz, uh, you don't get to see all of it, but you definitely hear it, uh, who is cutting off the faces of people. Yeah. In, uh, in true Victor Zaz fashion, yeah. Yeah. The, uh, and I don't, again, I don't want to, like, spoil a lot of the story, but, uh, the action was really good and pretty well choreographed, but it, a lot of times it didn't make sense, and the movie knew that it didn't make sense. And it seems like they added lines to make it jokey. Uh, one of the final fight scenes and stuff in there where uh, everybody's all together and it's everybody against Black Mask and his goons. Uh, and they're in this old, like, funhouse kind of thing uh, called the Booby Trap. Hilarious. Uh, and they, they're moving from one room to another. And all of a sudden, Harley Quinn's out on, like, this turntable dance floor in roller skates. Which she wasn't wearing this, like, two seconds prior. And so, Black Canary is just like, when did she have a, ch a chance for a wardrobe change? <laughs> and then they just move on. It's kind of like, I don't know if that's funny. <laughs> no, I thought like, that's funny. I, mean, I, I think <laughs> it's funny as hell, yeah. Like, you just pointed out, a like... I mean, okay, you wanted Harley Quinn on roller skates, uh, so you gave you put her on roller skates. Uh, I will say for me, the most disappointing thing came at the end, and it is when uh, Black Canary uses her power, her her sonic voice, and uh, I, I think it gets used in a rather weird uh, way. Uh, but you know, I'm not going to. I'm not going to harp on that, and I'm not going to spoil too much. Overall, uh, is it a good movie? Probably not. Um, it, it It's entertaining. Uh, if I were giving it a star rating out of five stars, I'd probably give it, you know, a, a solid two and a half to three stars. And if you look at a bunch of reviews, there are a lot of positive reviews about this movie. But they kind of land the same where I do. It's just like, yeah, it's not a terrible movie, you know, but it's, you know... I, it's it's fun at times, but it's not, uh, you know, that great of a movie, and, which is why you see this weird aggregation thing on Metacritic and Rotten Tomatoes, where it's running above 80%, but that 80% is a bunch of three-star reviews, mm -hmm. you know? And so, they're yeah, they're all in positive territory, but that doesn't make it a great movie. Right. Uh, it seems... <clears throat> like it was created as a vehicle for more of Margot Robbie to do her thing as Harley Quinn. And, I mean, I thought that she was probably the best part of Suicide Squad side. 
um, which I was really Wait. not a big fan of. I'm usually the one to do that. What was that? Suicide Squad. That was that was on purpose because that movie also didn't make any damn sense. <laughs> I see. No, I it see. did not. I see. I will say this: like, I think Robbie has the character of Harley Quinn down. Oh, she's an incredible actor. Yeah. She she she's got the crazy eyes. Like she can turn it. Like like that well, on I, I second think and just make more you... important than that. She also has the intellect. You know, I mean, you see uh, Margot Robbie's other work. Like she is a sharp chica. Like she's yeah. She they, so she makes uh, she sells Harley Quinn's character because yeah she she does crazy, but she also does smart. She does that combination of terrifyingly smart and crazy. Um, but yeah, I mean, the original Suicide Squad was pretty hacked to hell and terrible and what the hell was with making king shark crocodile like what what is happening so anyway oh, I, I don't think that God. it's it's terribly surprising i'm not like super disappointed about it i have very low expectations of dc that is not being directed by james gunn um i'd love for that track to change but um i, I don't know it, I, i'd love to see a director's cut i'd love to see i mean i haven't seen it yet um, I'll, I'll maybe we'll go see it in the theater I think a lot of people have kind of had that exact same idea because the movie, the opening weekend, uh, didn't do very well. It was only 33 million this weekend, which is its opening weekend, which is the worst uh, opening weekend for a comic book movie in over a decade. So, ah, yeah, uh, and it 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 cost 84 million. To oh make. man, that's rough. Now, now here's the thing: worldwide gross in the U.S. it was only 33, but worldwide it's 81. Mm. So they've almost recouped their cost, yeah. but they're going to have to have a few good, a few more good weekends mm-hmm. in order to get that. And I don't know. They'll, it's, they'll get there. It, they'll still make they a profit to... on it, but hopefully enough to make a sequel. And then we can see more of the cast all together, which is a number one mm-hmm. complaint that I've heard, too. I just want to see, you know, more of uh, the Huntress of, of Ramona Flowers, mm-hmm. you know, uh, shoot it there. Uh, there were some good jokes in that. Uh, Black Canary was, you know, kind of, uh, you know, making fun of Huntress. And, uh, you know, what's with the whole Robin Hood bow and arrow thing? And, like, very angrily, Huntress responds. It's like, it's a crossbow. I'm not 12. <laughs> <laughs> I think my thing going into so this I've, is I'm, I'm not, I've never really liked Harley Quinn. I'm not too excited. I, mm-hmm. like... Yes, Margot Robbie's amazing. She was one of the only redeeming factors of Suicide Squad. Uh, but more going into this, I'm more excited to see like Black Canary, Huntress, and uh, Detective Montoya. So going in, I'm those are the three I really want to see. And also, I'm approaching this like I did uh, going into uh, Rise of Skywalker, where it's like I didn't like it that much, but I enjoyed the hell out of it because the the fight scenes uh, were amazing. Uh, some of the character work was good. I, I'm not looking at my socks blown off. I just want to have a good time with this movie. I had so many problems with Rise of Skywalker. <clears throat> so yeah. many problems. Well, would you say you regret seeing it? Uh, I don't. I, I say that in the moment, it was a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. In the moment. Yeah. In retrospect, it was not good. Well, that's Because if that's you think of... about anything too hard, yeah. everything kind of starts falling apart. Not if you but, look at it through the, the lens opposite. of Jungian psychology. <laughs> <laughs> womp, womp. I agree with you, Greg. It is this. It is like the opposite of the Last Jedi. Mm-hmm. The more I sat and the, the more times I watched the Last Jedi, and the more I thought about it, the better the movie it became. Yeah, 
Whereas The Rise of Skywalker, the more I think about it, the worse of the movie it became. All I'm hoping for is this will be a fun movie. I don't, I'm sick of people wanting DC movies to be like Marvel movies. They don't have the infrastructure to do that quite yet. They don't have the talent around it uh, producing and directing. And God knows, like, studio supervision. I just want this to be a fun movie that I wouldn't mind watching again. Uh, it's fun. It's fun. Uh, you will enjoy watching Harley Quinn shoot people with confetti cannons. Uh, yeah. It's, that that sounds like are... a lot of fun. Yeah, absolutely. I think this movie's going to be... This is my prediction, at least. is uh, It's not going to be doing well opening weekend because there's a lot of butthurt bros out there that want Margot Robbie to be so much uh, more sexier than she is. Uh, and that's going to hurt the opening day weekend, but this they can claim their little Pyrrhic victory here, but... As word of mouth goes around and people like go back to see it, I think it's going to do well in the long run. I don't see why it couldn't. It's It's got too much talent behind it. Yeah, I, I really do hope that it does. I agree, and I appreciate your optimism. Yeah, I think that's a really positive attitude. Yeah, everyone involved is awesome. And plus, if this does well, maybe we'll get like a, a DC original TV show with Renee Montoya as the question, and everything will be awesome. Oh my yes. god, if, if Rosie Perez is the question? See... Mind yeah, blown. there's too much good that can come out of this. Not to not to have it do well going forward. Anyway, so with a DC project, who is your dream? Like, what is, what is your dream book to be made and like director pairing with that book? Because my first thought is like, I would actually love to see Ryan Johnson do a take on like Constantine. Oh because my I gosh! Think, mm. I think uh, he would be able to weave like a really intricate tale with, you know, little little bits of information you know here something small here that becomes big later i just saw knives out so i'm like yeah gung-ho ryan johnson right now but i think he'd do a an incredible job with constantine well like warner brothers should be backing a brinks truck up to his house anytime soon mm-hmm. like if they're smart they would be like here's a bunch of mo- money make a movie we're not gonna say shit yeah uh i'd also want desperately want to see uh edgar wright do a booster gold uh blue beetle movie can you imagine how much you fun that would be? That's, you just stole that from my brain. <laughs> or even just have just have him do, like, Justice League International. Like, just lean hard into the B-list character Justice League. Because it would be Go complete Andy. contrast Perfect. to what they've got right now. Yeah. It would be, yeah. be awesome. Well, yeah, see, this is what I've been saying. It, Both it, DC and Marvel, everybody needs to be leaning indie, right? And this builds the local creative economies. You know, just throw more paint against the wall. This is how all of our great franchises that we love started, yeah. right? Rose from some weird independent offshoot. And for the love mm-hmm. of God, let Guillermo del Toro make Justice League dark. Oh my God. Or just like anything, just say, yeah. del Toro, pick a comic book that you want to make oh, and shit. just do it. Can you imagine him making Etrigan the Demon? Oh, oh my God, yes. What about del Toro on something like, uh, oh my God, like Spawn? Whoo. Well, Todd McFarlane's taking his shot at his own character, so we'll see how that goes. Yeah. Are, are we ever going to see Green Lantern back on the big screen? No. Yeah. Or is it? I don't really care. Yeah. yeah at this point, I don't know. no. I just, I'm just like DC. Every movie that they make since Suicide Squad has been, hey DC, just do something good. It's like yeah. the kid who who used so, to just like don't shit try in the to make a universe, just make a good movie. Yeah. Can can if we do the Justice League International? Who would you have play Guy Gardner then? Oof. Maybe Alan Tudyk. Oh my god. <laughs> Just so we get more Alan Tudyk okay. in the world, right? Yes, please. Yeah. Yes. Yes. And then I'd have... Oh no, he'd be too old. I was gonna say Oscar Isaac as, J- as Jaime Reyes, Blue Beetle. 
<laughs> he's, he's like 20 years too old for this. So way yeah. old. Yeah. So uh, um, what have you been reading lately, Grant? Uh, I actually, because of my head cold, I've, I've time traveled from <laughs> Wednesday to here. Uh, my pulls from last week, I got uh, Isola from Friends of the Show from way back, uh, Brendan Fletcher and Carl Kershaw. They are wrapping up their second arc. And man, it's a it's a doozy. It's neat because there's been time between the issues where you kind of forget what's going on. So as soon as you get ushered back into the story, you're like, "Holy hell, this is this is crazy." Um, I also picked up Money Shot, which is one of the fucking funniest books. I know I told Greg about it. Mm-hmm. Um, it's put out by Vault Comics, who's just like swept Publisher of the Year awards for 2019. Um, but this book is by Sarah, written by Sarah Beatty and Tim Seeley. And the art is by Rebecca Isaacs, who's also doing Reaver with Justin Jordan. And Rebecca Isaacs right now is, like, in my top three favorite artists of all time. Her work is amazing. But this book is about, uh, in the future, when everyone is so desensitized to pornography that they can only get off to watching super weird stuff. So this group of scientists are like, let's go have sex with aliens. I bet we can fund our project that way. (laughs) And, guys, I I can't stress enough to track this book down however you can find it. It's so fucking funny. No, 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 no. Do not Google money shot. <laughs> no, no, yeah. Make sure you put Vault Comics, then money shot. <laughs> Don't just... It's kind of like when you try to Google sex criminals, you're going to get the same problem. Uh, yeah. It doesn't always pan out that way. Oh, and longtime friend of the show, Steve Orlando, uh, wrapped up Martian Manhunter, which was really awesome. They, he and Riley Rosmo, the, the artist, tied things up into a neat little package, like, bringing him into the established character of Martian Manhunter. Um, and also, of note, uh, Steve finished out his exclusive with DC, and he's gonna be writing Wonder Woman, uh, for them, but otherwise, he's just picking his own projects. Hmm. Which is really cool for someone like him. Uh, I know he's gonna, he's intimated that he's working with TKO Studios. That's the publisher that did, uh, this, they released their books either as completed trades or you can order them as floppies it's a really cool marketing strategy interesting so he's doing something with them and i think he's doing something with boom and something with image and i'm really excited for him in this regard because it's he's such a creative writer that it's nice to see him not have to juggle an ip and see like what he can and cannot do with this other stuff he can just do whatever the hell he wants and usually after like undertow and and crude and all this other stuff Gosh, the sky's the limit for him, so big ups to Steve. You done good, my man. Please mm-hmm. come back to Grand Rapids. Madge, what's been on your plate lately? Oh, <clears throat> I'm always uh, prowling the depths of Netflix uh, for what's good. My husband brought a fun little piece uh, from, I think, that it's a, I think that it's a Swedish show called Ragnarok. Uh, and it's, it's dubbed over in English. So the idea is that it's basically Norse mythology. That show is fantastic. Do, do you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, no. So it is. Oh yeah, the plot, killed the entire you know anything, season. If if you know anything about the plot of Norse mythology, or I mean, Thor Ragnarok in the MCU basically touches on it and explains it. So it is the plot of Ragnarok set in modern day times. Um, oh. It's it's English dubbed over the so it's nobody that we know it's all you know foreign kind of has an indie feel but it's fantastic the uh, effects are really really good the storytelling is fantastic um, it's 
it's social and political commentary is uh, just really sold me so fucking hard. So I, I won't. I, I will do my best not to give away any any particular spoilers, and you can feel free to stop me, Grant. Um, <clears throat> but basically, we have, as in Norse mythology, we have the gods and the giants uh, battling, t- and and their battle maintaining balance so that they don't destroy the universe. Which it, it's worth noting we see in other mythologies throughout the Mahabharata in uh, Hindu mythology, uh, the flood in the Bible, Genesis, right? I mean, so many other places. Uh, well, this balance has been thrown off, and so it's it's only the giants who are maintaining rule. And in modern times, they are business owners who are creating toxic waste within their environment, which is melting the glaciers and contaminating the local water with cadmium and lead um, and mercury. And uh, they also are the business owners so of the community, so they basically own all of the information and are telling everyone not to worry and own the police and are, you know, knocking off our key characters um, to destroy witnesses. Good thing this is a fictional right. show, right? Yeah, yeah. right. Right, but, but it's all, and, and they weave it so beautifully in because instead of, like, biological Thor and instead of dealing with all of that, it's, you know, our characters, our, Thor is spiritually bestowed, Right. You know, Freya, our very, oh, this is not, I mean, our very opening act, right? He and Freya have a moment, and he, he is Thor because he expresses a good, pure heart. Um, and we see it's the hero's journey. So, I mean, you know, Joseph Campbell would, would be so pleased. Um, it's just, and, and the social commentary is, like I said, is could, could not be more appropriate for our time, so. Yeah, highly recommend. Oh, and that kid playing Magna is just amazing. He is His evolution throughout that whole first season is oh. just jaw-droppingly good. So good. So, so good. All of the actors, really. They're just, oh, yeah. They're phenomenal. The Giants do such a good job of being evil and infiltrating society. Uh, and, yeah, like, the, the analogy is just, my tinfoil hat is just ringing. I'm like, oh, my God. Oh, it's so good. And each episode's, like, what, 45, 50 minutes long? Uh, they're you like, kind of lose track because they just than, go by. There's only six episodes, and they're like more—I want to say more okay. than an hour each. So it's it's some solid viewing. And I have to say, little little literary notice here. It it reminds me a lot of a book that came out. Oh, shit, what is his name? Mark Ferrari, I want to say. Um, the book of Joby, which was basically Arthurian mythology set in modern day times uh, in the uh, Pacific Northwest in uh, the Redwood Forest of, uh, of Middle, Middle Oregon. Um, so, yeah, I just I love the magical realism of taking mythologies and putting them in modern day times. And um, yeah, I don't know. What did, what did you like best about it, Grant? Uh, I, I like the, the main protagonist performance. But, yeah, the giants were great, too. And they had some the effects the special effects they use in the show aren't like prevalent all over the place but when they do use them like say when magna chucks a hammer something like that it looks fantastic so you're like holy fuck he just threw the hammer over a mountain right yes yes yeah exactly it's so oh and they don't go overboard right he's not like calling it back and doing all this cheesy Mm -hmm. stuff but like yeah we see the hammer it has an m on it m for mjolnir yeah and dude, the the gender fluidity of his brother, which is very Loki like, oh he was so good. Oh, the Loki reveal! Oh, you, you gotta wait till the end, but the Loki drop is mm, so good. This kid, oh my gosh, his brother, 
Like he was a he that actor did an amazing job because mm-hmm. you're like I hate this guy but yeah. I'm compelled to watch what he does next. The moment you see him, nobody <laughs> needs to bestow Loki on him. He just is like yo, like mm-hmm. all that fucking asshole. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. No. Uh. So good. So good. Uh. The other thing that I was gonna say was uh the pharmacist. Um. Also on Netflix. Uh. Short docu series. I want to say four parter. Um. I think. Mind-blowing. So uh, the opioid crisis, basically, is, is what it gets into. Um, but the, the star of the show, I say the star of the show, it's a, it's a documentary, is this pharmacist, is this nutsy old guy who turns into a private investigator and just by accident. I mean, it's basically what he does as therapy for coping with the trauma of his son's murder, right? So his son was, was buying meth in a bad neighborhood, and he had no idea that his son, you know, was using, and... Basically, it opened his eyes to addiction. He investigated his own's murder, his own son's murder, successfully. Um, like, literally, was cold calling through the phone book within a geographic radius. Called the only other witness who had seen it. It's it, crazy. This guy is literally like he's he's off his rocker. He's badgering at he's badgering the local police department. He's badgering everyone. They're trying to get him to back off, and he solves it. Um, but he's attuned to this, and he's a pharmacist, and so he notices. Uh, pill mills being created and he sees kids coming in and kids that he's prescribing uh, uh, opiates to end up dying Um, and so he starts investigating and the FBI and the DEA and the local police department are all trying to tell him to go to hell and um, you have to watch the documentary but long story short this nutsy weird quirky old pharmacist who has gotten massive PTSD basically is is the one to get it in front of the Supreme Court and is the one to get legislation to uh, to take action on it and actually to convict the pill mill doctor that he was investigating. Um, so it's just, wow. it's, it's, it's an, an incredible story about, you know, it's very important information about the opioid crisis, but it's an incredible story about this, this man. It will make you cry. I was, uh, was going to watch that this week, um, and I did put it on my list. Netflix, uh, but then I opted to watch the Taylor Swift documentary because I had the plague and I couldn't really <laughs> handle much of anything else. And I will say, it was a lot better than I thought it was going to be. I mean, I know it's total fluff, but I had a really good time watching uh, Taylor Swift, whose music, yes, I do enjoy. I know that will anger some people, uh, but I do enjoy her music, and I liked watching her uh, her go from being, you know, a, a, basically a child who didn't really have any idea of what the hell was happening in the music industry to actually having to battle people to keep control of her own music and to keep control of her own sound and her own uh, message that she wanted to get out. And it, it takes, it, it goes down a really interesting road where it talks about, like, the way in which, um, you know, celebrity-obsessed uh, culture has kind of really affected people that are at the top of the food chain and how she... Uh, was battling, like, an eating disorder and had to, uh, you know, fight against a bunch of people that, like, these really powerful men in the music industry. And, and fascinating. I thought it was uh, I thought it was really interesting. Um, and it has nothing to do with anything nerdy except for my own nerdy interests. So, uh, yeah, I, I will definitely watch the, the Pharmacist because Netflix is just killing it with good content right now. So... Dude, well, first of all, I support your I support your support of, of Taylor of Taylor Swift, her music, and, and the documentary. Thank you. I do. Uh, no, seriously, Netflix is not only crushing it in the original uh, content department, but I and I and I hesitate to say this because this makes me sound even more like a crazy person than I already am. Um, <laughs> but but like 
I think that they're like a, a, a part of the actual resistance. Their content is really surprisingly subversive and full of heart and depth and genuine psychological value and mm. and then there's also goop goop labs oh okay i'm not gonna lie like i started the first like 10 minutes just to like watch the train wreck and i was like i can't i can't i can't i can't (laughs) hey you gotta keep the lights on somehow you know episode episode four is literally the craziest where they massage people with energy you mean reiki uh no the guy said it's not reiki oh Okay, but hold on. Back. It, what the what, the, what it, the fuck is Reiki? Uh, ooh, it's I, like controlling chakra. I mean, yeah, I'm, I feel like I'm not qualified to answer this, but yeah, like like Kevin said, but it's uh, it's also being able to understand your body's energy balances and to attempt to, you know, re re rebalance them and and but but also kind of to tell let you know where your deficits are right you know a, a good reiki practitioner will give you you know here's you know supplements that you need blah 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 well yeah so obviously it's you know all about watching 15 minutes of skinny white girls in yoga pants get weirdly almost molested by a guy uh, that's <laughs> that seems like a lot. I'd rather watch Brimping, which is well, hair oh, fucking. There's if this you wonderful. Don't know. <laughs> I'm not gonna ask you why you know that brand. Thanks, Chip and Matt. <laughs> I'm just counting down the days. Okay, so bringing it back, I'm actually just counting down the days for uh, Castlevania season three, which comes out March 5th. Yeah. And my God, that show is great, and I have no idea what the hell they're gonna do in season three, and I'm so excited. Speaking of speaking of great anime shows, uh, the new My Hero, uh, Heroes Rising, coming out on the twenty fourth this month. Yeah. yeah, we just got caught up with the uh, uh, with the anime uh, today. Um, just mm. with the, the uh, oh god, I'm I'm excited to see what they're going to be doing with the uh, with the school festival arc, and I mean it's just yeah. I know that uh, Rachel could probably talk a lot more about what is going to be coming in Hiroaka, but I'm, 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 I'm pretty excited to see what's, what's coming next. Cause that last arc with overhaul just floored me. If, yep. if I had known you were going to pour something, I would have pretended to pee. <laughs> you want me to give you a heads up next time? Yeah. <laughs> I like, Oh, mm. what should I do? All right. Well, I, <laughs> I think that might be, might be a cue. Marker. <laughs> okay. Yeah. All right. Well, on that note, I think it's about time for us to wrap this up. You're welcome. Marjorie, what do you got to promote this week? Oh, I am trying to get everyone to uh, buy Cos Girl, my new literary magazine that I am trying to bring to print. Um, it's ready to print. Just go buy it on uh, Indiegogo. Go to CosGirl.com and uh, hit buy print issues on the nav link. All the cool kids are doing it. And Kevin, what you got to promote? Um... I'm going to promote My Hero because, uh, again, on the 24th uh, is the new movie launches here in the U.S. Uh, so, and I'm sure there'll be, like, Fathom events and stuff where you can go see it in the theater. Uh, but I'm just going to download it like a sane person. And Granthony, what you got? I'm trying to find the name of this, uh, the, the Twitter for this project. It is an RPG based off of African mythology. Oh gosh! Oh, oh! I heard about this. Yeah, um, it looks incredible. They have—they've been posting artwork. There we go. 
It's called the the Wagadoo Chronicles. Uh, you can find them at at Wagadoo Chronicle on Twitter. Uh, it looks incredible. It's called an Afro Fantasy World, which is right up of Madge's uh, uh, yeah. right up Madge's court. Oh yeah. Five E pen and paper adventures in an upcoming online game developed by at Twin Drums. This looks so incredibly cool. They have artwork. They explain some of the lore. Uh, it's it's getting ready to launch. And my gosh, uh, it, everything about it just looks incredible. Fantastic. At Wagadoo Chronicle. I'm going to promote this week this cast and also Reverse Centaur. So go to thecourtofnerds.com. Uh, there you can find all of the nerdy happenings. We're going to try to keep this podcast updated at least uh, once every other week, uh, as well as Reverse Centaur coming to you on off weeks when we're not doing this cast as well. Thecourtofnerds.com. Thank you very much for listening to us, and we will see you next time. 